I love you and I'm so happy to be here and I'm proud of you and I'm thankful for you and I, whenever I, I love this, that we honor the moms in the room, but I also, like every year on Mother's Day, my heart goes out to those who it's just a painful day that you're waiting for your babies, you're waiting for your husband, you, your mother wasn't able to be there for you um, like you needed or she's gone away. And that I recognize that this day can feel really painful. Maybe um, there's been loss in your life with your own children and things like that. And so I just want to um, acknowledge and honor the, the celebration that's right for this day with our mothers, but then also that it can be like a really painful day. And, um, and I said this to a couple ladies when I first walked in, but real quick, I want every woman to stand. Every woman. And I just want to say to you that you are a mother in the Lord. And regardless of what has happened with your own like journey with children or marriage or whatever, that you are a mother in the Lord. Even if you're um, 16, 15, 12 years old, there are ways that you can lay your life down as a mother, not elbowing others as an older sister or a younger sister trying to get your way, but laying your lives down to serve others. That is motherhood. And that every one of you women carry that anointing to love people like Jesus. And in that way, everyone needs that. And I believe that every one of you have and are doing that and laying your lives down for others. So I just want to honor all of you on Mother's Day and say you're a mother in the Lord to somebody. And so thank you for being faithful. You can sit back down. Okay. And so one time I saw this thing on, on, like somebody sent it to me and it said, some days you crush it as a mother and some days you lose your keys in the fridge. And I was like, that is it. I actually had put my keys in the refrigerator and couldn't find them. And that like not very long before. Or like one time I like had my coffee pot and, you know, poured my coffee and then I couldn't find it. And it was like in the cupboard where I, my coffee cups go. And I had somehow like put it back in there, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, like some days you do awesome. And some days you like put your keys in the fridge, you know? And so when I think about that, this video, like on the, those of you that have little kids or have taken care of little kids, I just want you to watch. My best times, your anomaly, and I'd choose you in a hundred lifetimes. I'd choose you in a hundred worlds. I'd find you. I'd say I'd say <laughs> Isn't that so good? You are not alone if you've had a moment like that, okay? You are not alone. Okay, and then if you're getting older and you're trying to like communicate with your older kids, so I love this. I have never seen this movie and I'm not endorsing this movie because I don't know really what it's about. But I do endorse this clip of this movie. I think it's hilarious. And so when you're talking to your older kids and you're just trying to like, okay, repeat back to me, like, tell me what, like, God is good or whatever you're trying to say and they're just like not getting it with the older kids. This is, this is what that can feel like as a mom. Okay, so here we go. I would like to buy a hamburger. 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Let's break it down. 
I. I. Wood. 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 Like. 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 Two. 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 Bye. 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 A. A. Hamburger. 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 Ham. Ham. Burger. I would like to buy a hamburger. I would like to buy a hamburger. It's not damburger. Hamburger. I'm not saying damburger. I said I would like to buy a damburger. I would like to buy a hamburger. I would like to buy the hamburger. Hamburger. I would like to buy a hamburger. Maybe we should stop. We don't quit. We do not quit. Again, again. I would like to buy a hamburger. 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 I would like to. Poor guy. He just couldn't get the words out. Anyway, I think that's so funny. I just wanted to laugh to get today. Doesn't feel good to laugh? Okay. Well. So when I think about love, and when you, when you think about parenting or motherhood, you just, it just goes synonymous with love. And in risk, you know, it's risky to give your whole heart away. There's no love without pain, sacrifice. Um, like, there's just not. They go hand in hand. They're like two sides of a coin. And I have to think about Jesus and just who... He is and what he did for us. And so I have to think about Jesus. It's like pain and love, are, they go together. And you cannot know Christ without knowing his suffering. And it's hard because you don't want to. You know, it's painful. But the, the, you cannot know the life of Christ without knowing the death and, and his cross. And I think that's why he, the picture of, of, of us ha bringing, having and bringing life into the world is so much like that. You know, in marriage, you have Christ and, uh, and you have his bride. And in, in, in marriage, it's like together there is life that is birthed, but that life is it's painful and it's hard and it's um, exhausting, but it is life. And I think just the whole picture of parenting and what it is, it shows us what happens as the church and our endless opportunity in Christ to birth new things and to be his bride. Um, and Jesus, he was perfect. He was fully God. And he chose to become a slave, to become a servant, to take on a human form and to be on this earth. And the Bible says he was tempted in every single way that you and I have ever been tempted. But he never chose sin, not one time. And because God, our Father in heaven, is perfect and and humanity has chosen sin, we are not perfect. And a perfect God cannot commune with an imperfect people. And so there was a big problem. A sacrifice had to be made so that 
that we can have unity together again with our perfect and holy creator. And so all throughout the Old Testament, they kept sacrificing animals, these lambs, over and over and over again to try that blood that was shed. It paid atonement for their sin so that they could step into relationship with God again and enter in and receive his word and what they hungered for, forgiveness for what they had done. But then it happened again and they needed another sacrifice and it happened again and another and another until finally... God said, enough. And out of his love, he chose to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And he was born of a virgin. He came and he grew up in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. But we despised him. We rejected him. We esteemed him not. He was like a bruised reed. And he chose, after being perfect, to die on the cross, be be, be suffer our sin to suffer our shame so that so that we could have forgiveness for our sins you guys without Jesus's blood there is no hope for us there's no hope for humanity there's no hope for peace there's no hope for joy there's no hope for your children there's no hope for our nation there's no hope without Jesus Christ he came and he said i will be the way i will be the truth i will be their life so that they might know the father and without him there's no way to go to heaven there's no way to have eternity together with our father so that feeling of being lost like where do i go i don't know i'm lost like you've ever been lost before that feeling of like where's my parents i don't know where they are that is eternity without jesus but we are found in him and he puts a ring on your finger and he runs to you in your sin and in your filth and he said he puts a robe on your shoulder and he said this is my daughter this is my son i don't just accept them i don't just forgive them but i adopt them i call them into me and say you belong to me now i'm going to not just adopt you and give you my name but i'm going to put my blood in your veins you are by blood an heir when you come into the relationship with Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, you're by blood and heir, by blood inheriting the kingdom of heaven through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. This is the best news. This is motherhood. There is no hope. I don't care what the problem is. There are many. We can start listing them. We can hold up signs and and protest. We can hold up signs and remember this and don't forget about that all of our life. But I feel like today, and those are good. I'm not saying it's bad. We need to believe for things that need to change. But I feel like today, he is saying, I am the banner above it all. Jesus, and his name is so high, so much greater and bigger that if we choose him and he puts that blood in our veins and that ring on our finger and that robe on our shoulders and we know we're his, the possibilities are endless, y'all, for what we can do as the church when we rise up and say, I'm gonna believe it's true. I'm gonna believe it's true. I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna let him wash me clean with his identity the, the possibilities of, for us to affect change in all the areas that we want to hold up those signs is endless. And he said, when, when my banner is the highest banner, then your anointing and power to go and change things, shift environments is unending because we're anointed with his power. Okay? Not just our good ideas. He's the highest banner, Jesus Christ. And so 
As we're going to move forward today, I really want to focus on this passage of 2 Corinthians 4, and so I'm just going to read it to us as we, just to kind of lay the framework for the morning, and it's something I probably feel like every time I'm like writing any notes about what I'm going to say, I just feel like I write the same passage over and over. Um, But it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Persecuted and not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Okay, don't, don't go... Let's all just read that together. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So you guys, this is so powerful because this is giving you, this is giving us a framework for what to do. What do I, why do bad things happen to good people? All of those questions, why did I get sick? Why did the, the whatever, the, the little and the big things, but he's saying there is a purpose in it. There's reason for it. Okay, so let's keep going. Death is at work in us. Life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So we're opening our mouths because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to you with you to himself. So there's a, that's our vision. So it's not just, oh, God is good today, but there is a vision for our life. There's a home that's ours that is not here on earth. We're going somewhere. And so that's good news. Okay. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, And that's it. And we're not in despair. Okay, there you go. And so we are pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You guys, I want you to memorize this. I'm gonna, I wish I could quiz all of you in two weeks and say, do you have it memorized? It needs to be deep in your heart so that you're going... It is not about what my eyes see. I have a home is in heaven and, and I am called. So these things, they are happening. So achieving for me. So those light and momentary troubles, I spill my coffee. I, you know, or the big, huge, weighty, terrible tragedies, they are achieving something for us, you guys. There's purpose in them. It, and, and we're receiving through that our, our eternal weight of glory. It far outweighs, it far outweighs. And my precious friend, Lori Evans, she always teaches me that when the world says trauma, God says fire. Okay? And so where the world says trauma, God says fire. And you know what God does with fire? All kinds of things. I'm going to tell you a story. So recently, we were out by our bonfire in the backyard, 
And it was just the seven of us in our family and my, t- husband, my, my, my husband, my Tyler, um, <laughs> said, he said, um, what do y'all see when you look at this fire? Which is kind of like a little out there for him, you know? It's like, he normally is like more practical, but he was like feeling it that night. I was like, okay, let's go with this question. And I was like, I was not in the greatest place in that evening. And I was like, I see dead things that need to burn, you know? And he was like, okay, moving on from mom, you know? And so, and then he was like, and so my daughter, Evelyn, she's seven. She said, I see all seven of us, but there's someone else with us walking in the fire. Not joking. And I was like, oh, baby, that, that you are hearing God. He was like, and so it reminds me, obviously, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they, King Nebuchadnezzar made this giant image of gold, and he told everybody they needed to bow down and worship this, this story in the Old Testament. And he tells everybody in the whole nation they need to bow down and worship this idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were these three men that said, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to stand up for the truth of God, even when everyone else is bowing down. And so the king got angry, and he caused, he told his people to increase the, the strength of the fire by like a ton. And it was so that even the people like around it were burned up. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think we have the end of the story right here and what happened. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, so, okay, so what happened was, this is the very last part, but what happened was they went into the fire and there was, a, there was three of them, but there was a fourth person with them, just like what my daughter saw when she looked at that fire. And it was God himself that was in the fire with them. And they went into this fiery furnace where everybody was being killed if they went in or even near. And they came out and it said that they, they didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't even, they weren't um, burned up at all. And so then this is what happened because of that miracle. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God, to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Powerful, you guys. They fixed their eyes not on what was seen. What was seen is this really, really big, scary fire that would kill them and that they would be saved from that fire if they bowed. But they had a vision of God that was greater. And they said, We will not bow to an idol, but we will walk into the fire and he will be with us or we will burn. But either way, we will not bow. And then you see the turning of the leadership in that place of just like, there, no other God can save in this way. And it's true. No other God can save in that way. He is the one true and only God. And so that story also reminds me of right before we were about to move out of our first house that we built. So we built this house um, in College Station when we first moved here. I was 20 weeks pregnant with my firstborn, Ethan. When we moved here, he's 11 now. And um, I remember building this house, and I felt like I was in a mansion. I was like, this is the most amazing. It is the most amazing house. I loved it so much. It was beautiful, and I remember just, like, 
painting just the corner of this one part of the room, like this one color. I just put so much detail in it, and I loved being there, and God's presence was with there, us there in so many ways. But I also remember that season was hard for us in a lot of ways also. We, you know, brought home our first four children to that house, and, and we also had two miscarriages, well, three miscarriages while we lived there, and it was... Um, painful. It was hard. And there's also like, when you start a church from nothing, it's not a small thing. And it's hard. It was hard for us in our own own lives in lots of ways. And so that house kind of represented that season. So there was a lot of really beautiful things, but there was also a lot of like sad things and painful things. And I remember the morning we were moving out, I was pregnant with our fifth daughter, Madeline, and we were about to load the U-Haul. It was like the last morning in this house that represented so much. And we started the church in our living room there. You know, it was just a sweet, sweet journey of God being with us. And um, we were worshiping as a family, just our last like family devotional time. It was just the six of us while Madeline was in my belly. And at the end of our worship time, I remember my son, Ethan, who was seven at the time, he was like on his knees and we just all were quiet. We were like, okay, let's just listen to God's voice. What, what do you want to say to us, Lord? And out of nowhere, unprompted, Ethan opened his Bible. I didn't even know he knew how to find books in the Bible that well at seven. You know, I mean, it's kind of sad, but I just didn't. I, it was like a very, like, it felt very uh, significant. All of us just kind of looked and watched. And he opened his Bible and he said, I just feel like the Lord's highlighting the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And he read this. He said, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And that's what Ethan opened up the Bible and read. And I felt like God was saying, I am speaking to you through your, your child. I'm speaking to you, Ashley, that you trusted in me. And I closed the mouth of every lion when you were in this place. And we're, um, and I was like, so we're leaving the lion's den. Not that the house was the lion's den, but it just felt like the season, you know? And it said, and there was not a mark on them, not a wound on them. And so you see the parallel of these two stories. They, there was not even the smell of smoke on those people. When the world said trauma, God said fire. And you know, God is with us in the fire. And we come out and we don't even smell like the smoke. And so, and, and, but it's, we have to fix our eyes on him. You know, it doesn't just happen to us because we hope it will. It is hard work to do that. It's hard work to every single day say, I will not choose to be conformed to the things of this world, but I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind every day. But we have to eat the word. We have to have that honey from the rock and the finest of wheat that satisfies us. Jesus said he had food that people didn't even know about. It was God's presence, you guys. We have to be a people that say, I will not be moved by the things of this world. I will feast on his presence. I will sup with him. I will dine with him. I will refuse to be caught up in the stories of this world that just distract us like all get out and make us frustrated and confused. And you're like reading a story about someone you don't even know. And you're like, why? Why is this tanking my day? Guys, listen, in the name of Jesus, please just don't do social media anymore. Just stop. It's like, it's going to be like smoking, okay? Where everyone smoked forever. 
and thought it was fine. And then it gave everyone cancer and they all stopped smoking. Okay. That is social media. I know it, it is. Everybody's going to be like, why am I walking? Try to explain it to a child. So I've never been on social media in my life ever. It never had any Facebook account, never been on Instagram, never gone and posted pictures of myself eating breakfast or dinner or on my vacation to let whoever want to look at them. And so I've tried to explain it to my kids. I'm like, they're like, why do people look at other pictures of other people? Like, why are they doing that? Why are we doing that? Why? It's going to destroy our society. It is destroying our society. Don't do it anymore. I love you. And if you do it, I won't judge you. Please don't feel like that. I like trust the Lord with your own individual decision. I'm just saying in general, your time, your thought space, your your mind, your overall physical health, your marriage, your relationships that you're actually in the room with the people you're like walking around laughing at something from your phone, your kid's staring at you. Talk to your kid, you know? And so just please just listen to me, receive the challenge and take it up with the Lord. I promise I will still love you if you continue on with social media. Okay. But it is destroying things and I do feel passionately about it. Okay, and so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. And then he gives us the weight of his glory, you guys. And God is supernatural. He created the earth with his words, okay? He spoke it into being. He spoke and it was, okay? He parted the Red Sea. He formed you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows the thought before you have it. He hems you in and behind and before he's laid his hand upon you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for you. It's too lofty for you to attain. You cannot go anywhere from his presence. You can't flee from it. If you go up to the heavens, he's there. If you make your bed in the depths of the sea, he's there. His rod and his staff, it comforts you. Okay, so this is our God. He is all powerful. And so do you think if we show up to him, Lord, I need help. I don't have enough money to pay my bill. Do you think he's got power for that? Yes, if you're like, I need, a, my mom needs a healing in her body. Do you think he has power for that? Yes, if he, I, my, my relationship was, I struggle to forgive this person. He's powerful in that place. He has all consuming power, okay? And so when we choose to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, and when we choose to step into the furnace and not bow or pray like Daniel did when everyone else wasn't praying and get put in the lion's den, he will close their mouth and he will save us. He will time and time again. And so, but what happens is like for us as we're, how do we become a people like that? How do we even choose to do that or be that way? And certainly how do we lead our children in that? And so when I think about leading my children to be able to make these kinds of choices to, so that my children grow up and are willing to not be the ones who bow. They stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think, of, I think of knights, you know, I think of chivalry, ladies and knights in the kingdom of heaven. You know that song, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Okay, that song. And so I think about that. We're in the army of the Lord and every knight or lady in the kingdom, they need to have, let me find it real quick. Um, so I do it well. Okay, so they have to have a vision, 
a code of conduct and a transcendent cause, a cause. So you have to have a vision. Where am I going? And so what I read in Corinthians, it really lays this out very well biblically. So you could kind of study it and draw notes. I'm not going to take the time to try to parallel the verse to what I'm saying right now, but it really does um, map this out for us really well. So, but you have a vision, which I want to submit is Jesus. And that heaven is our home. So we have a vision. Where are we going? We've got somewhere we're going. This is not our home. We are passing through. And so that gives us hope when things are terrible. And we're like, okay, heaven is my home. And Jesus is my vision, okay? And then we have to know how to act. Rules of the house, rules of the family, rules of the kingdom. And so when Jesus came, he didn't come to abolish the law. He became to fulfill it. Okay. And so we don't have the, the 10 commandments are great. We shouldn't break them, you know, but the, the law is Jesus came to fulfill it. And so when I think of our code of conduct, it's not a list of rules, like don't be on social media or don't do that, whatever. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about holiness. Jesus Christ is holy. And so our code of conduct isn't a list of rules of what to do and not to do as his followers. There, there are certainly sinful things that are clear in the Bible, and the Bible is our standard of truth, but we get to have relationship with him, and so as he is holy, we are holy in him. We become like him in that, and when we know him, and he's forgiven us and transformed us and put that ring on our finger and the the robe on our shoulders, we want to run to the things of righteousness, and the things of this world, they don't taste sweet. We don't want them you know? And so it's a, it's a choice of holiness. So we train our children up. We have a vision for Jesus. Heaven is our home. Our code of conduct is holiness. It is knowing him. And it, we're training them in that. And then we have a cause. We have a reason why we're doing everything, which is the great commission. Love one another, fulfill the great commission. So we need a vision, a code of conduct, and a, and a transcendent cause. And so when we, we have that, we love well, we live pure, we right wrong, and we follow the king. Okay, so that's what these knights and the Lord's army do. They love well, they live pure, they right wrong, and they follow the king. And that's what we want to be and the kind of people we need to be. But again, as we fix our eyes on that cannot be shifted, rearranged, changed based upon how it feels to you. Okay, and so what's happening is our society is removing that. Churches are removing that. People are removing that and going, I don't think I like that. So I'm going to just change it. Okay. And so I have a story about how this is detrimental. Well, I mean, I mean, our whole look around, this is what's happening, but whatever. And so Ethan, my son, he was like, this is last year and he was playing baseball. So take baseball, for example, you've got a one team, home team, away team, you hit the ball. And then if somebody doesn't catch it, you start running around the bases. You take the bases, you know, one at a time, If they tag you, you're out. Okay. So y'all know the rules of baseball. And then when you're up to bat, there's like, here we are batting. And then there's like a strike zone. So it's usually like from your knees to your chest. Somewhere in this region is the strike zone. And so Ethan was nine. Okay, so that's the first time that the kids are pitching. So they're like throwing the ball like over to first base. They're throwing it on the ground. Like the hit the strike zone is hard. It's a hard thing to do, you know? And so Ethan's team was playing this other team that that pitcher was struggling okay, on the other team. And he kept throwing the ball like over their head or over there on the ground. And so what was happening is he would throw four balls and then you know what happens? 
you walk, okay? So he was just walking Ethan's team around the bases, just going around and around. So we just kept scoring runs because he was never throwing strikes, you know? And so we were just like, the kids would just stand there and he would just throw the balls everywhere and then they would just go to first base and then they were just scoring, okay? It was sad. It was like we were up like 20 to nothing, okay? It was so sad. And so like this poor team was just sitting there like devastated. All the kids are crying, you know, and our kids were like, this is awesome, you know, I don't even have to. And so it was just a bad thing. Okay. So Ethan's still learning how to play baseball. This is like one of his first seasons and the umpire comes over to our coach and he goes, our coach, and he goes, listen, this is bad. We need to end the game. These guys are suffering. We're going to widen the strike zone. Okay, again, there is a strike zone in baseball. Those are the rules, doesn't change. So the first person up after this conversation, so the guy's kind of like, okay, you know, like, like, and the umpire goes, and the first batter up was my son, Ethan. And the ball, I have a video of it. I am not exaggerating. I tried to get the video, but my, it's on my dad's phone. So anyway, but like, it goes two feet over Ethan's head. Like, I mean, whoa over his head, like there's no way he could have even like tried to hit it, you know? And the umpire goes, strike one. And I, y'all, my heart, I was so furious. I was like, no, you do not change the rules because it's hard. You don't do that. Every one of those kids was so confused. What? That's not a strike. But there's their authority standing out on the field going, strike one, because it's hard because it's sad, because the other team's losing, because it's uncomfortable, because it's inconvenient. And we go, no, you don't change fundamental truth because it's hard. And what it does is we might be okay with it as adults, but it corrupts our children because then they have no chance, no hope to be able to discern it for themselves because their authority, that umpire is telling them that a strike can be anything it wants to be because it's uncomfortable, okay? We don't do that, we don't do that. And so that's what it looks like to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right now, y'all. It is not that hard. It's being willing to stand up and say, I will believe the Bible. That's what it looks like right now because everybody's bowing down and saying, okay, if that's what you wanna tell me, okay, I'll bow down and say the truth can be whatever you call it. It's not the truth. Do you hear? It's not the truth. It matters for the next generation that we are willing to stand up and say, that isn't the truth. It isn't the truth. And the truth is clear. It's unchanging. It's the word of God. It's infallible. Jesus became the word. He was the word became flesh. He is the word, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to the father except through Christ Jesus. And that doesn't change. It doesn't change. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Okay. And so with, with that, I'm going to end here um, because what happens is every time we do that over and over and over again, we, we, we become like those people who've learned the basics, we've tested it for ourselves, and then we can go out and do the things that God's calling us to do. But if we skip those first two, if we skip learning the basics according to a standard of truth that doesn't change, which is the word of God. And then we don't practice it for ourselves and learn it in a safe environment. And then we go express ourselves. If we switch that, we have people going out and expressing themselves and they have no idea of what the truth really is. And that is so dangerous to the body of Christ, okay? So we wanna be learners, lifelong learners. 
And we want to have Jesus as our vision, our code of conduct as holiness, and our transcendent causes the Great Commission. And so what this has looked like in my life, just this idea, that, that's just some practical truth for parenting life in general. But this idea of fixing our eyes on him with our pain and anything that's going on so that he fills us with his glory. Um, y'all can go ahead and come on up, guys. We're, I'm going to finish this right here. So um, the biggest example of my life of doing this over and over and over, that hard work so that he revealed himself to me and I wasn't one of those that bowed down. Was I mentioned earlier that I had three babies that went to heaven before I got to meet them. And that was hard for me. I know that that is a tender thing even here on Mother's Day and that many of you have had that experience as well. And it was just really painful for me and all of us that have gone through it. And my second miscarriage... My first one, I was pregnant for a while, and then we went in and realized there was no heartbeat, and it was just awful. And then not very long after that, I got pregnant again. Pretty, like, it was probably three months later. It was June of 2015, and I got a positive pregnancy test and went immediately to the doctor, and she drew blood to see how things were going. And then the next morning, I drew blood again because we were about to get on an airplane to go to Disney. We were going to our, our, our first Disney vacation that we'd ever been on as a family. And the second blood draw should show like there's this hormone in your body that needs to be going up called HCG if you're pregnant. And so um, that second blood draw was going to show how I was doing with this pregnancy. And so I, we lay on the airplane in Disney after I'd gone that morning. And my doctor calls me almost immediately. And she's like, hey, your HCG is dropping. Like we're, you're, you're, you know, the baby's gone. You're going to lose this baby or the baby's gone. And so she was like, I think you'll be able to get through your Disney trip like before you deliver the baby, but this has happened. And so there we are, just Tyler and I staring at each other, like my parents were with us, our kids were babies, you know, we were like going to Disney. So I'm walking around Disney and I am um, heartbroken. I mean, just and feel awful, you know, and I'm just, we're in Disney. It's just at Magic Kingdom. And the first day in the afternoon, it had been a while, we were having a meal at this place called the Crystal Palace with Winnie the Pooh and all his friends. And I um, went in the bathroom there and like I passed the baby there at, at the Crystal Palace. And it was just the hardest thing that I've ever done. And I mean, seriously, it was just so painful. And just the dichotomy of being there and having that experience. And it was just heartbreaking. And I, I feel like for years I tried to heal from it. You know, that was uh, June of 2015. So this last November, we went back. And so what that's looked like since June of 2015 is... Um, a myriad of things, I mean, uh, literally countless moments of me giving God that pain, fixing my eyes on the unseen, him filling me with the weight of his glory. It has looked like that in my times with him. It's looked like that when people have prayed for me. It's looked like that when I've been on my knees weeping. It's looked like that when I celebrated that day and wished for the baby. It's looked like that when we named the baby. It looked like that for so many moments, okay? And so here we are, November 2020, one, no, November 2020. And we go back to Disney. So we're pulling up and I like cannot keep it together. We're like standing in the, um, like right at Main Street. And I was just like, it's just so hard. I was like, I just don't know how I'm gonna feel. Like it just was, so everybody, all my five kids were around me and they were all hugging me and Tyler was praying for me. And there was like, it was Dis at Christmas time at Disney at November. 
and they were playing the first Noel. I'm like, there are hundreds of Christmas songs that Disney could, they're playing the first Noel. And he was like, I am with you, Ashley. I'm with you. I'm with you, you know? And so we walked down Main Street and I turned to the left and the first time that I could like see the Crystal Palace in my eyes, which is where I was when I lost the baby. Y'all look what was written in the sky. Look at this. His name was written in the sky. So those, um, those pointy hot pillars over there far uh, right above the red and white um, umbrellas, that's the Crystal Palace. And that was in the sky. And he said, Ashley, I will always be with you in your pain. I will be bigger. I will be the banner over every single moment. Every, I fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. But in that moment, he was like, I'm going to let you see my name. You don't even, I'm going to let you see it. And I feel like he's wanting to break forth right now for us in these places of pain and be like, I want to be the sign and wonder in your midst. I don't want you to just hope that I will touch you. I want you to let me touch you. And then he, I want him to, I feel like he wants us to see his miracles like never before. Like the outright, un, like just unexplainable name in the sky, you know? And, and I feel like he was wanting to do that today. So as we, as we go into worship, I just want you all to stand. And I want you to just, I feel like I saw a picture of him putting his nail-pierced hand on every heart. And I felt like he was just saying he wants to be bigger, biggest. He wants to have his name be the highest banner in our hearts. And he wants to touch your heart in every place that you need it. And just start there. We don't seek his hand. We seek his face. And when we seek his face and we know him, then he shows us his hand. He shows us his glory. And so just this right now, I just feel like every heart, he wants to put that nail pierced hand upon every place of longing, lack, need, hunger, disappointment, fear, addiction, hopelessness. And he just wants to touch you right now. So do it, Lord, in Jesus' name.